And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 125 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Amber. And I'm Tim. Hello, everybody. Hey, how are you? Good. How about you? I'm okay. So we have a uh, uh, a different episode this week. I've got Tim and Amber. Mm-hmm. Because Jen and Brian were supposed to go to a mutual friend's wedding. And then a hurricane came. That's another Hamilton reference, too. Uh, okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Wasted on me. Yeah. We're sorry. And uh, oh, we oh. were making fun of him during Minds at Yerk for never I'm, having listened to Hamilton. You should make fun of me, too, then, because I still haven't I'm listened not alone. and or watched. I know I'm supposed to. I'm sorry. I have failed you both, yeah. and I am sorry. Alex. And I think this episode has become an intervention on my not introducing enough people to Hamilton. How does it make you feel that I listened to that terrible Spider-Man thing before I listened to Hamilton? <laughs> I listened to that terrible Spider-Man thing before I listened to Hamilton because it came out first. But I'm not, I'm an, un, I'm an uncultured swine, so I probably should have listened to Hamilton first. Which means you're outnumbered this week, Alex. We're going to mutiny I'm out with, our, with our unculturedness. Outmanned, <laughs> outnumbered, outplanned. I bet that's another Hamilton yeah. reference. Like you can just tell with the look in his eye. Probably. If I'm going to make an all out stand, <laughs> I'm going to need my right hand man. How did I set that up for him? Mm. I don't know how he oh, does that. Oh, it's really easy to set up. Yeah. <laughs> I can turn anything into a musical reference and most things into a Hamilton one. That's my other superpower beyond <laughs> backlogging people. <laughs> but yeah, so since Jen and Brian already had the week off and Tim and Amber had already done the reading for the week, here we all are. Amber twitched when I said done the reading. <laughs> Playing the part of Jin this week will be Amber. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Brian to Tim's. Actually, a pretty easy switch in and out substitution right there, I think. Not on quantity. Well. On quantity, it's still not even close. But the episode's shorter. Well, there you go. Which works for me because I've got to go tape out a set plot at noon. So let's get started. Okay. First thing first is not a book that is out this past week, is a book that is out in the future, and that if you are listening to this on Monday, it is your last day to go pre-order a copy from your comic shop. You can still go after today and they can maybe adjust their orders, but if you definitely 100% want a copy of this, go when you're done listening to us talk about it, talk to your comic shop. And that is Infinite Dark. Yeah, I definitely want to add this to my pull list. Same. This is coming out from Image, I believe, through... Was this a Top Cow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is written by Ryan Cady. It is arted by... I do not have this in front of me because we're also recording at my place and <laughs> figuring this out as we go. Amber's pulling it up. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. This is about... We will double back. A space outpost tasked with setting up... 
a sort of safe haven as all of space collapses on itself. And they end up essentially in the eye of the storm. I don't have your Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not giving my Wi-Fi why. out on the air. <laughs> I just but realized. I will say it is a Hamilton reference. <laughs> Good to know. As one might guess, reality collapses and this, this outpost is sort of left on its own in the infinite dark. Uh, and it is very cool. It plays a lot with space, both in terms of the idea of outer space and sort of perceived realities, the kind of way memory and trauma and all of that impact perception and how you move through space. Uh, Tim, the most organized of us, has handed me his phone. Andrea Moody on art and K. Michael Russell on colors. Thank you, Tim. Yep. Um, I could have done that. I just decided to go for my iPad because that's what I read it on. <laughs> it's all good. So you get this idea in the story and you get like really cool layouts that do a great job of constricting space and making things feel claustrophobic. Uh, sometimes like there are two or three full splash pages and even one of those still feels very claustrophobic. Uh, and then the colors are just absolutely gorgeous. I love bright, vibrant colors, especially in books that I think, you know, could be colored more shadowy and muted and play into that sense of claustrophobia. But keeping brightness there lets you contrast mm -hmm. that more. So uh, Also, that feels a little cliche with the type of yeah. genre it is. Mm -hmm. Like, why not give it that nice, good, surreal you know, I feel like there are some really good science fiction things in the past that have had that like juxtaposition of really unusual surreal colors with it. And that mm -hmm. always works really well. Like I really love it. Bright reds are one of my favorites to go with that. Yeah, like bright reds are really, really bright greens, mm -hmm. which is also there's like a lighting designer brain part of me going, yeah, they're cool because greens make people look all sickly. And mm -hmm. that doesn't work in, in pigment in in ink on the page but you still kind of get that sense if if the person like and this is one of the things that that i used to kind of pick my favorite colors is who who knows what pigment does on a page versus who also knows what light does mm. like my favorite colors are the ones who who can mimic boat who can mimic light with pigment and this one doesn't like green lights come on and people do look a little unearthly a little alien See, it's all, well, what you've just talked about was the, the art of the book. It, for me, uh, a lot of times when I read these books, and definitely in this one, it's not the art that grabs me. The art can take me out of a book, but it's not yeah. the art that sucks me in. It's the story that sucks me in, and it's this story that makes me want to want to continue reading. Yeah. Well, and I think both things work together yeah. to do the same thing. Agreed. I think if, if like, whichever side you come at it from, mm -hmm. I think you're going to get that hook. Yeah. For me, I feel like the art's middle of the road, but I am being grabbed more by the story in this yeah. one. Yeah. But that's just how I read books, you know? It's not like... That's not how I read books, but <laughs> this one still feels middle of the road to me. Yeah. That said, I feel like what you were talking about with the lighting and the colors, though, um, plays out really nicely towards the end of the book when they're in the decommissioned part of the yeah. ship where everything's no, yeah. kind of like rusty colored. It's definitely true. Yeah, well, and you get you get really cool layouts in this that you know, I mentioned a couple of splash pages that show the station like 
in space before and after. You also get, as the book goes and you learn what's going on, the individual panels tighten and become these really like six Mm -hmm. to a page, consistent, confined squares. As shit's breaking bad, as you're getting history, everything's done on these kind of slanted panels that flow but also feel Mm off-kilter. And are constricting you. Yeah. I think that's where, for me, like the strength of the art in this is, is like the layouts and the colors Mm -hmm. specifically. Um, But I I get what you're saying. Um, I definitely will be reading more of this. This is super cool. I feel like a book like this hasn't come along in a while for me. Um, And some of the more odd elements i don't know how much you want to spoil it for anyone probably not because no one's got to read it yeah um some of the more odd elements that come towards the end remind me of uh nameless which i know you haven't read not yet and is really weird and really trippy so i'm kind of hoping this one will go to that place a little bit but nameless was a grant morrison book so that explains why that one was kind of psychedelic (laughs) and trippy but um i mean it gives me that kind of feel even though the story's not the same but it's also kind of in that weird, odd science fiction meets. I'm trying to find a word that doesn't give anything away. You know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, like it's it's. I mean, maybe I I think it was like science fiction, but also it's like character based. It's a lot about the the main characters. See, I feel like I already feel like this book is moving in a direction. Yeah. Maybe we should have talked about this off air first. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's more fun this yeah. way. Well, now I have to choose my words very carefully. Um, I'm going to use the word occult, and I feel like it might move in that direction okay. based on some of the stuff that happens. You, you do have... I mean, it could go a bunch of different directions, especially given the situation. Does it not feel it's kind of maybe brushing against the edge of something that's kind of well, Lovecraftian, maybe? I could see it. You could, you could definitely, it definitely could go in that direction. I would hate to say that it's definitely going to. Well, I think this is because it kind of paints the picture that there could be other things. Well, I think this is kind of where, like, I I couch it back in the whole perception thing is maybe it's weird, maybe it's just space madness kicking in. Maybe that's kind of what I was reading. It it could be anything. Like that's the thing, and that's what's sort of cool about. Yeah. going forward and what might come next is we don't necessarily know as a whole where this is going. That's like, this very gives true. us yeah. an introduction to sort of mostly our main character. I think that says more about me than anything else probably. <laughs> I, I feel like that would be more interesting than it's just space madness setting. <laughs> and my guess is it's probably not yeah. just that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the not knowing exactly right now. I like right. that there's a question. The oh, question makes me want to I keep love reading. that even if that's the case, continuing to not know what's happening is my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the tenets of that other series I was talking about that people were confused about until they read it like the third time is about <laughs> where that series was going. A Grant Morrison <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so weird. I mean, when you get it, though, it's weird. It's how's, real weird. How's that going to work on film? Is it? It's either a TV or a movie. I forget which. Alex. <laughs> you have no idea how weird things like that are like my bread and butter. <laughs> I mean, I do, though. I don't know if you do. Like, I... Okay, A, I love sci-fi more than any other genre, probably. And this is a person who's been listening to D&D since she was five 
for some reason, just that oppressive not knowing of the universe crashing down on you is like the best, coolest high to me. <laughs> and I don't know why, because usually existential, you know, crisis for people is a bad thing. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking to Tim because I feel like no matter what Tim says in response to that, it will be funny. Mm. Oh, no. I no. How does existential dread work on you? Uh, terribly. <laughs> terribly. <laughs> I don't have anything positive to add to that. I know what Tim's work week has been like. He knows oh, existential no. dread. Yeah. He's been touched by that man thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, if that sounds fun and cool, you should go check that out. Yes. Indeed. Um, and when it comes out, we'll probably talk about it, uh, talk about it again with Jen and Brian. I almost mm. said Giant and Bryn. <laughs> This is what happens when we record in the morning, <laughs> even earlier morning than normal. I have not had coffee. That explains a lot. Moth and Whisper, number one. I'm the only one who read this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Despite my best efforts. I'm sorry. And I really feel like I could have had a good, you know, outlook on this one. So I, did I too. feel bad. <laughs> uh, so this is an Aftershock book about a kid whose parents were master thieves one like your sort of archetypical i'm gonna pick your pocket and leave a calling card type and the other like industrial espionage hacker type and after they go both go missing this kid takes their mantles both of them to try to find them and figure out what happened um and kind of the hook for this which The first issue doesn't make a big meal out of this. It doesn't become, this is about this. Which I like. But this is a fact of this character that was in like the solicitation copy, and I'm sure will come up eventually. This character is non-binary. So they kind of swap between personas, and they have their mother's like suit that changes costumes and does makeup on the fly and they can just go like stored personality number four and just swap uh if they're like running away from a mob boss or whatever and like really leading into this hall playing both parents trying to get to the heart of the mystery and i think the extent to which to which that play the the fact that they're non-binary in the first issue plays is like they're super comfortable doing this. Like it's not ever faking being moth, faking being whisper. It's just kind of going with the flow and doing what comes naturally. And to them, all that matters is finding their parents. This hurts my soul because you're looking at I the feel like... the things you're saying right now. <laughs> and I know not everybody who feels this way likes to identify this way, and I don't in a general sense of the word, but that's probably because I'm 30 years old and this is a new-ish thing people talk about, Mm -hmm. but has always been a thing that some people felt. So I hate labels sometimes, but I identify as a non-binary person and this makes me feel so good. I just wish that I could do this too. (laughs) This is a book for Amber. (laughs) See, I really think you'll dig this one. Uh. I think it's... We've talked about books before that... And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to belabor the point. But that did make being not a cishet person the thing the whole book was hung on. Yeah. And did that in kind of performative ways. And I was 
nervous about this one being that. And if it had been that, we probably just wouldn't be talking about it right now. But it's not. It's very much not. Um, and it's a you know pretty solid story. It's I I I really dug this. So it sounds like it has a fun thing that'll keep you along for the ride. Yeah. Um, and the entire time I was describing it, Amber was like making puppy dog eyes just <laughs> at the world. <laughs> That's why I said my soul was slowly dying over here. It was just shrinking in on itself. Like, no, so sorry. why didn't I read it? I'll try to find you another copy. I'm sure I'll find a copy. Very good. Much read. Mm-hmm. The Wrong Earth, which is the first book by Ahoy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Which is a new publisher put together by a couple of old Vertigo people. Tim, I know you really dug this one. Yeah, it was... me about it. Do you want to? Yeah, I'll talk about it. about it. It's a it's a fun story of Dragonfly Man, uh, in sort of what we would compare to like the Batman sixty six yeah. kind of setting with a over the top villain who's replacing art with pictures of himself and just that sort of yeah. stereotypical kind of story. Stealing the art while also passing it off as the museum should really thank me for this. Yeah, Some exactly. Very good. And he's got his henchmen that <laughs> fit his theme and, and that kind of thing. And then you you cut to sort of a alternate universe version of the same characters and the villain is now stealing blood from a child. Like it's just much darker, much grittier. And he's got like a side shave and dyed hair and a <laughs> one-shaped scar over yeah, one eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they end up fighting and making fun of the dragonfly's dead sidekick yes yes um number one i think is his name uh they uh they both end up escaping at the same time through this mirror master type setup where they run into a mirror and then they come out the other side and dragonfly man chases them they come out the other side in the wrong universes and you see how they interact with sort of like a the same thing the polar ends of the stereotypes you know the yeah. crooked cops versus the the wholesome hero now and the the villains that are much much darker if you traded adam west batman and batfleck yeah that's pretty much it yeah. pretty much how it would go and then you know the one from the what was it the omega universe the darker universe yeah. Earth, he, o- Earth Alpha is yeah. Batman 66, and yeah. Omega is mm-hmm. Batfleck. Right. Uh, he, he goes into Earth Alpha, and there's his sidekick still alive, even though I think he'd just been stabbed. Yeah. Um, where he had been killed a long time ago in his universe, so he's kind of freaking out. And the other guy is freaking out because everything's awful, and he doesn't understand yeah. it. And the the Omega, the Dragonfly. You've got Dragonfly oh, Man is yeah, Alpha, you, and right. the Dragonfly yep. is from mm-hmm. Omega. The dragonfly is like, oh no, I'm going to save this person. Well, we've called the cops. Why would you do that? The cops yeah. are all crooked. You're right, 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 right. And then they come in and, and start praising him. And they show up and it's yeah. the chief and the, yeah. the lieutenant from Batman 66, yeah. essentially. I read all of those characters in Batman 66 voice. Yeah, pretty much. It was, yeah. yeah. And his, his meanwhile, meanwhile, the cops shoot dragonfly man yeah. on Earth yeah. Omega. It's like this... And then they, like, shake him down for money. Yeah. yeah. That part I got to, I was like, oh, yeah, Crooked Cops. But even before that, I was, like, in the mind frame of even if they weren't Crooked Cops, they were going to shoot him down because it was kind of that gritty, like, this is a vigilante that we have to take down because we're the police kind of thing. (laughs) There's nothing more ridiculous, I think, than seeing both of these extremes side by side. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, it was fun watching the the 
the interactions of the the Batman sixty six the the Alpha universe, yeah. you know, just so over the top, and so you know he steals the pin from the the henchman who's named number three or yeah Trey or whatever Trey. it was. His name yeah, is Trey. yeah, <laughs> it was just it was good. I think it's gonna it's gonna lead to some real fun stories. Yeah, um, I love the little details of like as soon as Omega number one breaks through to Earth Alpha and stabs the sidekick, Stinger. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of an ironic thing if you think about Stinger getting stabbed. Yeah, yeah. Um, immediately deuce number one's, like, number two. Yes. Uh, it's like, oh, no, that that's too much. That's too much for you. And then, like, starts helping the kid. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. This is essentially still a fairly good and innocent world. Where, yes. Like, even the, even the, the bad guys are like, not gonna go stab children right that's yeah. not okay here yeah jason todd would like this earth yes mm-hmm. stealing blood from a kid was well that's that's rough and what I, you're doing right now is rough and i assume that's like stinger number four in training or yeah. something. <laughs> i really enjoyed it i'm probably gonna continue to pick it up yeah. and it's probably the most fun i've seen in a comic book in a while <laughs> I only bought this book because a while ago, Alex told me about Vault Comics, and I started reading Vault Comics, and they were great. And a little while ago, he said, hey, get on the Ahoy train. Yeah. So My new hobby is finding small press publishers as they come into existence yeah. and judging them entirely on their first few books. Oh, one last thing I was going to say. Speaking of lighting and colors and stuff, uh-huh. this was a very good example of how you can use them to show one universe oh, is like yeah. bright and happy and yeah. the other one's very dark and gritty. Yeah. yeah. There's also a backup in here that's like the stinger at the carnival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sort of this fun little done-in-one story. And then, and I, I have not had the time to read it yet. I don't know if you did, Tim, but I there is not. a prose Grant Morrison yes. piece. Yeah. Oh, I have not this. read that either. Yeah. Did you did you read too much Coffee Man all the way in the back too? I don't think I saw too much Coffee Man. Too much Coffee Man. Hang on, I'll get it right here for you. <laughs> oh, it's an activity page. Maybe. Oh no, no, yeah, it's yeah. not. No, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> too much okay. Coffee Man's kind of fun too. That's very good. I'm like, oh no, you cut those out and put them. Oh no, you don't. That's <laughs> not. The, there's a joke there. Huh. Did you see it? I have not. Okay. That's very good. This is amazing. (laughs) I'll stop before I get to too much coffee man levels of caffeination. Yeah, there you go. I would hope so. All right. Here is one that was not on my radar until one of the people at the comic shop, uh, while I was there getting comics, said, hey, this looks cool. I think you'd dig it and handed it to me. Um, So on Charles's recommendation, I picked up Low Road West, which is... I think a very Jin book, if Jin is listening to this and I have not told her yet, by the way, you would enjoy this. This is set in this like post kind of apocalyptic. It's like there's a war going on and the US has been bombed out and cities are being evacuated and it's super xenophobic and all that. Uh, it's set in that kind of world. And you've got these four or five basically kids on a bus being taken to a safe haven. When the bus runs out of gas and the bus driver stops, climbs out, pulls a bike out of storage, and pedals off without saying a word. But presumably to find gas? Uh, 
they read it as just him abandoning them. Uh-oh. Because supposedly there's not gas for, like, the next thousand miles. Mm. Which really just sounds like poor planning. I mm-hmm. don't know that the bureaucracy really is working right in this world at all. Well, you clearly just stated that it was not. <laughs> I mean, okay, I tend to assume that incredibly authoritarian, well-planned regimes are also going to be the ones that start nuclear wars. But does or at the least... planning ever extend to post-apocalyptic wastelands? Well, sometimes <laughs> you stop worrying and love the bomb, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know. All I'm saying is, you'd think they'd know there was no gas en route. Oh, yeah. You'd think that one would have been sussed out. That's not a hard thing. Oh, we're just out. We're just going to drive to the middle of the desert and do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the kids climb out and fight a gang a little bit and then find a magical house that is bigger on the inside. This goes some weird places in its second half that I was not expecting. <laughs> I was like, why did Charles hand this to me? Like, it was good, but I'm like, this is not on Alex's brand. And then you found the part. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> the quiet boy who misses his video games touches animals, dead animals, and they come back to life. What? Oh, there's this weird house that's bigger on the inside. Ah, okay, there's some stuff going on here. Also, a random clockwork bird that never really gets explained, but I'm sure is up to something. A clockwork bird? Yes. Clash of the Titans? What? <laughs> like a, a small, like... Oh, small one, okay. Can sit in your hand. The first thing that comes to mind is the owl <laughs> from my childhood. What is up with the house? Or can you not say? I don't really know yet. <laughs> There's also some sort of like, I don't know if they're like an arcane archer or whatever who helps fight off the, the, the gang, but then you never see again in this issue. Okay, just hearing you talk about this, I, know, I, I didn't I... expect it to take these twists and turns. I didn't either. <laughs> this is my point. <laughs> um, it was fun, and I dug it. And I have no clue what the fuck is happening or where it's going or anything like that. But uh, at the very least in trade, I will 100% be reading this. And maybe in singles, too. I'll give it at least a couple more to decide. I think I'm going to pick this up in singles. Yeah. All right. We are going to double back, as promised last week, and talk about Border Town, which Amber is also going to want to go get. Fuck. <laughs> I, I don't know how much... You could have sold me this book with one word. Chupacabra? That's it. That's it. If you had just said that one word, I'd be like, I'll go buy, I'll go buy two copies of this. I'm not as easy. Oh, no. There, <laughs> there is not enough Chupacabra in media. In did you ever opinion. read the uh, Heath Corson Bizarro series? I did not. Uh, Bizarro gets a pet Chupacabra. Ah, I'll probably go buy that now. <laughs> it's very good. There's an issue of that in which Bizarro, it turns out, is even better at backwards magic than Zatanna <gasps> because Bizarro. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but this is not Bizarro. This is Border Town. Um, and Tim is kind of starting with the twist here. Yeah, I know, I know. I, was, I didn't know. But that was, that was um, it. That's all you had to say to sell me on that yeah. book. This is about a kid who ends up moving to a small school in a border town mm-hmm. on the US Mexico border and you get into you know issues of race and all of that and his fitting in and sort of his anger issues and all of that 
And also there's this monster attacking the town and he fights it off, he and his friends do. And this came out last week, but you know, maybe spoilers. Uh, that monster is a chupacabra. <laughs> and on the border, there is also a rift into its home dimension. <gasps> and uh, there is more weird shit there. And that's kind of where it ends, so we don't know how that's going to keep spilling over, but it yeah. very clearly will. Does it give you more information about the home dimension or no? Uh, we know that there's like a ruler of at least yeah. where in this home dimension El Chupacabra is from, and they are not pleased. Yeah. Are they all Mexican-themed things, or is it like a uh, mishmash? It w- I, would, I would identify it less as... It was more like a coatl, kind of, sort of like indigenous central and south american folklore that's mm-hmm. fantastic there's not yeah. enough of that yeah so not like just not just like you know word <laughs> cryptozoological creatures right but actual like folklore entities too yeah. well see i was wondering if it was specific folklore and i like yeah. that it's like south american yeah because i don't feel like there's a like a lot of that in there's media really not. there's not and it's very fascinating Quattles are cool. I'm not as big a <laughs> chupacabra aficionado, oh, but I yeah. mean... Well, you know, Tim's a real goat sucker sucker. Mm. I don't know how to take A sucker that. for a goat sucker? <laughs> oh, there we go. I yeah. heard that wrong. I thought, oh, no, everybody mind. heard that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded bad. I'm always. not saying... I mean, that's what I do. I'm not <laughs> saying Tim fellates chupacabras. I, well, there was a second <laughs> level to that, and that's what really confused me. Oh. The chupacabra reception. Yes, yes. Wow. But I thought it was goat Okay. <laughs> you didn't make that chupacabra specific. <laughs> True. Well, no, the goat sucker is the chupacabra, and Tim is a sucker for mm. a goat sucker. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I see how it works now. That's why it sounded strange. Yeah. Yeah. Chupacabra is also known as a goat sucker. That I did not know. Me either? That whole sentence makes a lot more sense with that little... I mean, that makes sense because they eat goats. I get it. But I've never heard them called a goat sucker. I've never heard a chupacabra called a goat sucker. No. Oh. I hope that... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's really a thing. (laughs) No, I know that's a thing. I was going to make a joke uh, and then decided it was in bad taste. the, 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 uh, The Frank story is good too, though. And again, like, the, this yes, was another one yes, where yes, it starts, yes. and I'm like, okay, so this is the kind of comic I, wait, there's a chupacabra. <laughs> oh, I'm in. Okay. And then he completely forgot about the rest of the comic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Tim's life in general. Yeah, now I think I'm okay. Wait, there's a chupacabra? <laughs> Sadly accurate. Just wait until we get to the Animorphs book where Axe morphs into a chupacabra. No. No, no, no. Oh. I can't. I would love to let you go on oh. thinking that it happens, but you'd be so disappointed when it never does. Save it for the fanfic. All right, I will. I'll find one and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. House of Whispers. Good, good book. In case that's bad audio. House of Whispers. <laughs> good, I like good this book. one. I, yeah. I, I mean, I've liked all of them so far, without exception. Yeah. So... This is the latest, like, Sandman universe book. Right. Um, so, yeah, Amber, you go. Oh, Tell okay. me about it. Um, oh, boy. I don't know if I can remember names and things. Uh, so, this follows the same uh, part of the same story that was being talked about in Sandman universe with uh, 
the woman whose name I can't remember because it's unusual and it doesn't stick in my brain. Um, and the young children that live in New Orleans in Louisiana. Yes. And uh, I read these out of order because I didn't know. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I read. I, told you. I read that one. I read this one first, and then Sandman Universe after. So things made a little more sense once <laughs> yeah. I... Because I thought we were jumping into the middle of a story. Yeah. Well, like the first or second page, someone's like, those kids who we were talking about recently. Mm-hmm. And we actually, they, they were. We read them talking about those kids in Sandman Universe. So yeah, I imagine that I probably should have told you, oh, hey, by the way, this comes after. Right, and it goes back to uh, Uncle Monday and... Oh, Erzuli. That's what her name was. Yeah. God, that's such a hard one to remember. It really is. I think it's because it has a Z in it. I can never remember things that have Zs. But it has interesting dream logic stuff happening again. And like the power of stories using that as a device to bring creatures from that realm or beings from that realm out into the real world. But mostly, I really like the kids. And I I really like... The two gay girls. Because <laughs> you knew that was going to be the thing that I liked. Yeah. My strategy for telling Abra what books I thought she should read this week to talk about was, this one gets gay. Pretty much. How many books did I had you with like, here's some queer content this week? I don't want to be the one trick pony though. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> You're not, but I'm a straight dude, so I love having someone to talk about this with. Accurate. Yeah, like I can only go so far in it, not just be talking not just be me talking out of my ass. I'm sure Jen enjoys these too though. Yeah, but Jen's not here this week. Oh, I know, but I just mean like I'm not the only one. No, you're not. You're not. You're you're not our token, don't worry. I'm your token female this week though. <laughs> I'm I'm not offended, it's okay. <laughs> I don't like doing episodes without any women on them. I know, I understand that completely. For a number of reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know what this reminded me of a little bit while I was reading it, and I don't know that it's for any one specific reason. I think it's just certain elements and certain maybe structural beats with the way the storytelling flows, but it reminds me of the American Gods TV show, some. I could see that. Like, especially, I, I kept, especially like the party thinking about like this as just a different version, a different spin on like the Easter party mm-hmm. at the end of the first season. It's a real weird and awesome yeah. looking party. And I, can I just say along the lines of queer content, <laughs> not that it necessarily goes together, but it can. I really like all the dudes in fishnets and high heels <laughs> who are like waiters and servers. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I, I meant to take a screenshot and send that to Jen to make sure she read it too. But again, if you hear this, by the way, another reason to read this book. Also, Uh, Uncle Monday, real gross and creepy. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, yes. That thing with the crawfish, real gross. (laughs) He basically goat sucks a crawfish. Oh, Oh, it's not just that. He talks about how he wants them to be alive so that they can suffer. And he like stabs like one of the pick things into them and then dips them into like lemony liquid and stuff so that they suffer more out of like oh (laughs) it's very gross he is he is like an alligator person yeah (laughs) 
So, you know. I think my my standards of acceptable Animal actions, abuse? No, I, 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 I'll be honest that I would be a little more disappointed in a regular human than an alligator person for that. This is true. Because yeah. I feel like he would just eat them raw anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's me being speciesist again. But... That's the word. Yeah, I, it's close enough. You got what I was going for. Speciesist. You have lovingly trained me to do that now, by the way. Oh, and that makes me so happy. Tim. Hey. Tell me about Superman. Who oh, am okay. Superman? Su- Superman. Talk to me like I'm Kit Clark of wherever the fuck we said Kit Clark, the man who loves comics but has never heard of Superman before, is from. Okay. Superman's a dude, and he's got a bunch of powers. I'm listening. Okay. How about I just talk about Superman number three instead of like a recap of like 75 of years of comic book? It's probably more than that. It's now. 80. 80. 80 yeah. years Superman history. I mean, I feel like there's a really strong improv line through explaining Superman to the one person who's never heard of him, but okay, uh, yeah, we'll just go um, with uh, you I telling just, me about this book. He can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. Really? Are these like hot lasers or are they concussive? Beams no, no, no. Like these are, no, no, no. These are hot lasers. Okay. These are hot lasers. Although that concussive blast thing, I, a lot of people get that wrong. That Cyclops yeah. thing. He doesn't shoot lasers. You know, we, can't, we, 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 we can't all, you know, I guess, know lots of details about <laughs> my arch nemesis. <laughs> so Superman number three. Mood. I totally get this, man. I fucking hate you, too. <laughs> High fives over how much we hate Scott. Yes. <laughs> rough. Um, he makes a good villain, though. Yeah, he does. They should have just done that like 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know what else he makes a good one of? What? A corpse. Oh. oh. Wow. That was See, cold, but I'm here for it, man. <laughs> Call me Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Superman number three. The Earth is in the Phantom Zone. Somehow that's Star Labs' fault. I hadn't read Superman number two. I just picked this up. Uh. And I was like, I was, I'll see what's going on with Rogelzar. Um, Rogelzar's in the Phantom Zone too. Yes. And there's Tara a, put him there. a bunch of bad people in there. And they all decide they're going to have like a prison yard fight. And it turns out that Rogelzar is the baddest dude in the prison. So now he's got himself a little army. Bad, bad Rogelzar, the baddest man in the whole man t- whole damn town. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much exactly how it went. Because he, he just went up to all the, I guess, like, people trapped in the, the Phantom Zone, which is kind of the worst of the worst people. Yeah. And, you know, they all tried to take him out and couldn't. I wonder if that weird, monstrous New 52 version of Crypto is still in the Phantom Zone. I didn't know there was a monstrous Crypto. It was a New 52 thing. Oh. Uh, the whole time he's wearing like a ripped up Superman cape, the S logo on it too. There's some deep rooted hate there. Yes, deep, there deep, is deep rooted hate. Deep in the heart of Rogel. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good though. It was fun. Cool. Yep. Speaking of Iceman. Oh, Iceman. It's a good, good book, and everybody should go pick it up because this was number one. And you guys yes. should start on this bandwagon. <laughs> number one of, I believe, five. Oh, good. Yeah. So I didn't read the last Iceman series, and I did read about him talking about how he wished he could have continued, but it was canceled. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I don't know if it was as much fun as this is, but this is pretty fun. It was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. I might go back and read that then. I feel like this one is... The first Iceman run was a little more contemplative, a little more like Mm -hmm. inward looking for Bobby. Mm -hmm. Because it was a lot about him coming coming out to people and coming out to his family and learning to... And obviously some of this continues, but like learning to navigate dating as a gay man. Oh man, is he learning to navigate dating as a gay man? (laughs) And he still struggles with that in this. But it's kind of more funny. But this arc also lets you see him be more an X-Man at the same time. Yes. Uh, I I didn't know that it didn't do that as much then, but I guess that makes sense with a more serious tone, personal issues. Yeah, like there it's kind of a backdrop against which the personal stuff plays out in Mm -hmm. the first run. Um, Sometimes it's a bit of a distraction or or it's it's more rooted in the personal pretty much consistently through that first run. Here I think it, it... balances the two i don't i don't know that i want to say it's a matter of balance i think it's just a different take here it makes the superheroism more of a focus well it almost feels like he's trying to balance these things in his life yes because that he, i think is he accurate. does say to kitty you know I'm, I'm i'm happy that you're giving me stuff to do <laughs> yeah um so i mean it, it's very funny it starts with him uh at a club bar kind of setting trying to pick up guys and he's doing a real bad job <laughs> i love i love the way it introduces that setting because it you, you get the title box new york hell's kitchen it used to be that a man in red leather defended this town from criminals now <laughs> i love that too it's very good um he's just i I don't know how he picked up women if he was using these kinds of lines on them. I I don't know what he's expecting. They're they're very bad pickup lines. The the ice shoe thing was terrible. <laughs> but uh I feel like and I could be off base here, but I feel like he's going to find like a person that likes him and that he likes in a weird unexpected place like with the Morlocks. Yeah. I don't know why I feel like that, but Oh, yeah, speaking of there are Morlocks in this book. <laughs> and uh, they've got people being abducted from yeah. their ranks, and the X-Men try to help. Yes. And Bishop is not happy that he has to tag along, but he does it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy Bishop in this. And I'm with Bobby mm-hmm. in that Bishop is, of all of the various time-traveling future X-Men, my favorite. Accurate. Because... I kind of want to read this now. This sounds like fun. Oh, it's very fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. I, yeah, I'm I'm down to read this whole little mini series. I hope that it does well enough that it can be more than just a mini series too. I'd I do love too. to see it get to keep going. I really dug that first run. I think it's like I said, it's different, but I think you'd still enjoy it. I'm for sure gonna pick it up. Infinity Wars number three. So you have been catching up on Infinity Wars, or you've been reading? I don't think we've gotten to talk much about no, Infinity I'm, Wars. I've read all of it. Okay. I'm, I'm caught up. I've been reading cool. this one consistently because I find it entertaining. So I want to start with you, and I want to start with talking about Loki mm. through this. <laughs> okay, that's not the most interesting part of this comic, though. It's not, but it's where I want to start. Okay. I have a lot of feelings about this. And Alex knows I have a lot of feelings about this. And Jen knows I have a lot of feelings about this. But I don't think I can get into all of them in the short period of time that I will be talking about this book. 
I like this character. I like this character when he was, I'm doing air quotes, reborn. Um, and my favorite arc of this is probably Agent of Asgard because it was very good and it reinvented the character again. And I like the personality that was put forward for that arc. And I even liked uh, Original Sin, Thor and Loki, the 10th round, which was very entertaining and introduced Angela as their sister. And Loki was a cool fucking woman the entire time because he was hanging out with the angels who were all women and <laughs> she was mistress of strategies. For the, for the Heaven's Fleet, and I want that again. I want that. I want all of the good personality and non-binariness, and I want the bisexuality again, and I want the gender flipping, and I don't get that anymore, and I hate the way he's drawn in this. There were so many good female Lokis at Dragon Con this year. There were. Uh, every time I saw it, I'm like, oh, Amber should be here. Mm-hmm. I met a few of them. Yeah. But I don't see many of them that aren't like... Loki in Sif's body masquerading, you know. Oh no, around. these were straight up like Agent of Asgard ones. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or one was a gender bent version of Tom Hiddleston's costume. Oh my gosh, that's good. Um neither here nor there. Who I also don't like, by the way. <laughs> Jen's fought me about that one some. I'm not real big on the MCU Loki. But he's growing on me as a different thing entirely. The reason I wanted to start with Loki is I also wanted to set up to ask this question. How do you feel about Kid Loki being back? I love it so much. I felt like he wasn't going to be gone. I don't know why I felt like that, but I felt like he was going to end up coming back from like Valhalla or something because he died an honorable, noble death for sacrificing himself or whatever. Yeah. And... I want to know what his devious plans are now and what the <laughs> heck he's doing in the Destroyer. I'm so excited. <sighs> Tim is looking confusedly. Yeah, I should really start reading this. You should read As Guardians of the Galaxy because it yeah. just started and it's weird and amusing. And it's got Thunderstrike. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah, like definitely. that it's got the... I don't know, this might be contentious, but I don't like that it has the traditional Valkyrie. Oh. I know she's got, like, baggage. I thought she but... was going to say, I don't like that as Thunderstrike, and I was going to have to leave. Well, no. I... Uh... He's... Not not that I really have that much affection eh. for the characters. <laughs> I have way more attachment to the Ragnarok Valkyrie Same. than I do to traditional. For me, the main reason why I'm okay with it being Brunilda is Colin Bunn did a lot of stuff with her and Fearless Defenders that was pretty good. So, like, I get that that's the version he knows and he has written and that he can pick up and move with, but this more is Ragnarok the thing. Valkyrie always. Yeah, for sure. She just needs her whole, like, a movie with her and a couple other kick-ass female characters mm-hmm. and just, like, have a team up for sure. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'd watch that movie. This is the thing that I don't like about comics sometimes is... I understand that there are different creators and they all have different stories that they want to tell and editorial doesn't really keep things as straight as they should sometimes and it's hard to do so, but I don't like the disconnect from comic to comic sometimes. I would just wish things were a little more even across the board. Well, the Valkyrie thing, though, like the only version of Ragnarok Valkyrie that I'm aware of is the one in Exiles who's another Dimensions Valkyrie dimension hopping. I got that, but... I, this is not just this thing, and I, I'm not yeah, like harping no, no. on this one thing. I, sure. I, I'm fine with it being Brunhilde, but I don't know. But that's I know the I thing can that be a little hard. That's I, that's I, all things for me, though. That's not just limited to con- uh, to comics. Yeah. Continuity is like it'll it'll 
take me out of things if I don't feel like it's the same. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I'm not saying it has to be like so very, you know, stringently. Yeah. I mean, like it, it doesn't have to be like that, but I just want things to be a little more streamlined sometimes I guess that. and marvel comics mm-hmm. is so large and dc comics is so large that sometimes i feel like things just slip between the cracks and you're like what is yeah. this thing like i wonder if the version of crypto from the new 52 <laughs> that was a big monster dog is yeah. still hanging out in the phantom zone because the phantom stranger and superman sent him there to go fight something and the phantom stranger's whole thing was he had to betray people and nothing ever paid off from him and superman doing that see and it's stuff but, like that that drives me crazy and this is what like i just have to turn that part of my brain off if it's not an event book or a tie into an event book at this point to stay sane i just kind of have to let it slide i guess but that ties back into my hatred of this loki too though so well, <laughs> to bring it back around at some point though maybe they'll meet uh well what I mean is, this should be the same, this should be God of Stories, and it isn't. No, I get that. I do miss that thread. like that. And I could be fine with them going back to being more of a, a trickster and mischievous yeah. and stuff, but just same personality is fine. But like the fact that some writers never acknowledge that another thing happened, yeah, it sometimes is... It sometimes makes it so that I don't want to read the thing that's new. Yeah. And I hate that because it makes me feel like I'm one of those people that's like, I don't like this new thing. I like the old thing better. But it's not that I like the old thing better. I just want the old thing to continue on yeah. because it was good. Or you know, to be acknowledged. Yeah. You know, yeah. And like in Loki's case, I get why that's really frustrating too. Not just because you like it, but also because he's one of like two characters who existed outside of space when this happened. Yes. And that, to my knowledge, has never really been addressed. Right. And it never got addressed what they did during that yeah. period of time or if they checked in on like battle world or anything like yeah. that during that period of time which would have been well, pretty cool and silver surfer did acknowledge that so i know it See? wasn't like some sort of editorial i don't know i don't know also he just slipped al- between the cracks i guess al ewing is like the most underrated <laughs> one of the most underrated writers at marvel yes absolutely beyond that do you want beyond to talk the, about yeah, let's talk more about infinity wars <laughs> um i've just been completely derailed uh words gamora's oh yes okay so so gamora does a great wonderful thing and she's trying to discern if what loki's telling her is true um from what he saw at the uh god quarry god quarry uh quarry of creation stuff yeah which was very good and I liked very much also, just to touch on that for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Worthy Loki is the best thing ever. I know, right? It's so good. Especially, and I don't know if I've talked to you about this off air, because of that one line he says where he goes, look, Loki's the trickster over here or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. wait, is there a trickster Thor on the other side? Because I want to see that. That is. See, this is where I wanted to make sure we went. <laughs> that is absolutely how I read that line. Absolutely how I read that line, too. And I want that right now. Absolutely. Like, what does Trickster Thor do? I, I feel know. like he hangs out in a lot of frat houses. Mm. I don't know how I feel about Trickster Thor now. Yeah. I don't want him to. I want him to be more interesting than that. <laughs> I'm not saying that's all he does. But I feel like he is at any... I don't know, though. Maybe because like they're Greek Thor, and he's Norse, he's kind of, you know, stays away from him. I don't know. But 
regular Thor in our in, in, in the main continuity stopped partying like that so much eventually. I know, but I don't want it just to be partying Thor because that seems boring. Not just that, but part, I think, very drunk and very tricksy. Maybe he's some kind of con man. Oh, God, con man Thor would be so good. Right? Right? Yeah. No. Okay, so derailed, derailed thoroughly again. Um, she like, does a thing where she puts all of the heroes who have been bothering her into a soul world world, and it is the goodest, bestest thing ever because she sticks them together to each other. She kind of Thanoses. Yes. She does cut the number of people in half, but instead of wiping half of them out of existence, she just combines pairs of people. Which Loki points out, and she does not seem happy no. about. Which, it's great because as soon as... It, Came out that she was was Requiem. I'm like, oh well, they've announced these Infinity Warps. I bet this is them. Like, it was so. Right? And this is kind of what I talked about with the the Gamora as Requiem thing. Like, Duggan has built to these moments so well that they seem really logical when they happen, even when they're weird, twisty sort of things. So we're introduced to these versions of characters that are, and we only really see two of them. Mm. One of whom, I mean, we see. They show some, a few of they them. They show some. We only get like conversations, conversations with, with two of yeah. them. Yeah. We have a scene set in the 1940s when Doctor Erskine turns up to be a sorceress of some sort, and instead of creating a super soldier serum and turning Steve Rogers into a super soldier, she turns Stephen with a PH Rogers into the Soldier Supreme. And he's got a magical shield and is having trouble not setting things on fire. And he's got a little goatee and the Captain America hat. Nice. Uh, We also get a few minutes with one that... And I'm glad we're seeing some of these that are not just the ones who are getting their tie-in series. Um, We see one who is a cross between Logan and Emma Frost. Which is so good. I legitimately looked at my husband and I went, there's never been anything more hotter ever created <laughs> in the existence of the universe. He goes, what are you talking about? And I showed him. He goes, okay, I agree. It's like Wolverine in sort of his patch suit. Yeah. But it's all white and he's got an eye patch. Nice. There's the, yeah, the Soldier Supreme. I feel like I remember Brian talking about this a little while we, we ago. Did, we talked about these during solicitations. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. And yeah, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. on the splash page that they wrote about them is very good. Yeah. Uh, there's the Arachnite, who is Spider-Man Moon yes. Knight. And I love yes. that there's a panel of the two of them together uh, at one point. Like, <laughs> They're joking before that happens, yes. Yes. He's like, just wait, follow my lead. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? I don't know who this is. It's fine. Just wait a second, and when I punch someone, punch them right after me. Exactly. Uh, where's my Spider-Man Moon Knight team-up book? Yes. Yes, I wanted this too also. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thor gets mixed with Tony Stark. And the caption there is something to the effect of... My liver is damaged just thinking about it. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I also love Weapon Hex. Who doesn't love magic and stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Laura Kinney and Scarlet Witch. That's so uh, good. Uh, and Ghost Panther. Ghost Panther. Who doesn't get a tangling because you can't say anything bad about it. It's no. a cool pairing. <laughs> I think we talked about this on air. Maybe not. Um, but 
there was one there was only one infinity warp who was vetoed by marvel editorial and that would have been across between deadpool and black bolt that's unusual because deadpool never shuts up and black bolt can't talk about destroying (laughs) things oh my god alex that would have been amazing (laughs) instead we get dupe pool which is also very good it's okay i love dupe it's okay. He turns out he's just pantsless, and Loki's like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go translate his bubble still. I didn't do that yet. Yeah. Anyway, this is fun, and we I think I think next week's Soldier Supreme number one comes out. The first of the tie-ins comes out next week. Uh, I am I am having a lot of fun. This is, this is knocking on the door of being my favorite event. Right now, it's yeah. still Secret Wars, but this is so good can i just say how great it is that he has to or that uh the logan and emma frost has to stab people is what i'm assuming has to stab people to be able to read their minds oh i didn't even think about that because he doesn't say oh good to know that your story checks out before he slams the door in his face after stabbing him with one claw (laughs) (laughs) which i didn't get either until josh pointed it out to me (laughs) that would be funny how could they not go that direction that would be great yeah Okay, Tim. Yes. One more before is it still good? All right. And I have not gotten to read the latest issue of this yet, but we are both in agreement on this being a very good series. It is. Wasted Space, number five. so good. Um, So Billy's on his way to try and assassinate Yam. Uh, He's got Molly and Dust with him. Is it Molly? Am I remembering that right? Is that her name? I think so. I think so. I don't remember. But um, yeah, uh, they meet... I guess they met in the last book, Kill Fury, mm-hmm. which is one of Dust's former lovers. <laughs> um, and that ends up being fun as she tries to kill Billy. Every time you say Billy, I am, in fact, thinking, could Billy Zane play him? Because his name's Billy Bane. That's the same thing I think the whole time, too. But uh, no, it was good. It was a good story. I don't want to tell you how it ends since you haven't read it yet. No, I so, don't want you to tell me yeah, how it ends. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't I'm want not going to tell people it. listening how it ends. No, but everybody should be reading this book. That's yeah. what I'll tell you. And it was upgraded from miniseries to ongoing. I'm so there will super, be more. super excited about that because it's really, really good. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? No, because anything else is going to, like, <laughs> we can talk more about it after you've read it. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, what, how much. How can I ask this question without only being able to get a spoiler back from you, but also give you something to say? How much room to do cool things is there at the end of this arc? Like, is it sort of a sky's oh. the limit that could go anywhere, or a oh no shit, this has to happen next kind of deal? Oh, no. Both. Both. <laughs> both of those things. Okay. It's both of those things. Um, I believe that something's going to happen, and I believe that where we go from there there's a lot that could happen. All right, so something has to happen and that could lead to Sky's the Limit, is your guess. We're on our way to trying to do something. Okay. Yeah, and it's a turn that I did not see coming. Cool. Yeah. Just just <laughs> message me as soon as you've read it. I will. Okay. It may be a couple days, but yeah. I will. All right, is it still good? The Seeds number one is still good. The photographer journalist makes it over to the other side to investigate alien human relationships. Catwoman number three, Selena learns who ha- who is behind the copycat women 
and why and he makes her an offer she can refuse flash number 54 tim okay uh the flash is all jacked up on the strength force and he fights the trickster who is also all jacked up on the strength force they both caught the liefeld virus yes absolutely hawkman number four two carters one shira whoa (laughs) firm hand number three tim how do i say this in one sentence i don't know i I didn't get here yet. yeah jed and tree have their differences and there's a dog named fuzznuts so are you renaming your dog fuzznuts i've really thought about it because it really seems like an appropriate i also wish i had named my dog chupacabra okay how about this keanu chupacabra fuzznuts there we go that works (laughs) i like it cool that's your dog's name from now on full name it is canonical. Spider-Man number five. Peter learns a valuable lesson from Spider-Man about work-life balance. Champions number 24. Uh, this is the school shooting issue. And we learn why Riri made herself armor in the first place. Wait a minute. Yes? She's in Champions? Yes. Why did you not tell me about this? Well... That was very accusatory, she Alex. She and Nadia are in Champions now. Alex, <laughs> giving you squinty eyes. <laughs> I thought I had told you. I thought there was a conversation about Riri's in Champions. Yeah, I know, but I wish she had her own ongoing. Yeah, me too. I feel like that was the conversation we had. Maybe. By the way, she like has I... her own ongoing coming up. Oh, she does? Starting in November. Good. Yeah. Is that the e-viewing book? We're, yep. Yeah. It's going to be good. Okay. <laughs> I think we talked about it, but it was in that window when like, we were not getting to the comic shop together regularly for me to be like, do that, read that, don't forget it. Mm, maybe. Yeah. I, I just didn't have the chance to backlog you. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you backlog me, though. Domino number six, Tim. Domino works to understand and control her powers and... Fights Topaz. Exiles number eight. If you haven't been reading, this is a good place to jump on and get a lot of recap. Uh, as the Exiles fight a rogue band of evil watchers. Uh, Runaways number 13. Stopping and thinking about what happens in this one because I read 12 and 13 together. <laughs> uh the team takes a walk on a wilder side than they have in a long time. Alex Wilder's back. Oh. <laughs> he got better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's a dick. So, not that much better. Venom, first toast, number three, Tim. Eddie wants to find his Clintar, and you get a new symbiote relationship. I hear a lot of men have trouble finding the Clintar. <laughs> 125 episodes. That's how long it took me to finally break down and make that joke. <gasps> That's such a good one to make, though. I was waiting for the right time. <laughs> this seemed like it. <laughs> Accurate. And there's no long box this week. I forgot to tell you a book I read. Oh, yeah? What'd you read? I read Rat Queens number 11. Oh, how's Rat Queens? I'm still on this bandwagon. Let's see. Um... The gang minus D all go to a cave and get abducted by a scary monster. 
Did I do the? Did I do the? <laughs> did you still good at good? I still good at. I feel like we should have done something since there was no long box. I'm kind of disappointed in me. I mean, we could add. We could ad lib some swamp thing discussion. <laughs> we we absolutely should. I feel like I should have found another like garbage '90s cartoon to watch an episode of and report mm-hmm. back. <laughs> yeah, we should have done that. Yeah, but I don't know when this week that would have happened for me. No, we were gonna make Brian long box. Whenever Brian comes back, and this may be why Brian has been putting off coming back. <laughs> His ass is doing a long box. I, uh, have you... How long has it been since he's done a long box? He's a wascally wabbit, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> have you watched the Swamp Thing cartoon? I have not. Explain. Okay. Explain yourself, Tim. So, <laughs> it, it... I mean, I don't think it's hyperbole to call it the greatest cinematic experience of my lifetime. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. It's a pretty high bar. I, no, it's it's so fantastic. Did you ever watch Captain Planet when you were a kid? Yeah. Okay. Um... The people that were in Captain Planet, this was either before they got famous or after they were on their decline in their career. Oh, no. They're in this cartoon. Not voices, like the actual like animated people. Delbert and JT are yeah. Fire yeah. and Earth. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and Swamp Thing is fantastic. He's very, very John Wayne. We established last yes. time. Um, he has two friends who are pretty much racist stereotypes. They're, because early 90s cartoons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caricatures of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bayou Jack and Tomahawk. Oh, no. Um, and <laughs> they, they have... I feel, oh, no, just thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it, it's, it's rough. One um, of them shoots down votes. Yes. It's amazing. It's this crossbow. I, I love telling people about this. But it doesn't shoot like a bolt. It shoots an arrow that's about that wide with a triangle on the front. And it's about like that flat. And that's the closest thing we could do was decide. It, like, I think my example was it was a Why? one of those like they designed the toys first. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a garage sale this way sign. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what it is, except laid flat. That's so bizarre. Yeah. But it's it, it's amazing, and it like, plays no attention, and I mean zero attention to how anything in actual science or in nature no. works or even like there is no show bible for this no no oh, no there no. can't be yeah they were 100 like making it up as they went and they were like hey wouldn't it be cool if we siphon out the nuclear energy in a gas can although sometimes they do some nuclear this is oh. a <laughs> this is a 90s children's cartoon uh-huh. To tie into toys and loosely based on a movie that only managed five episodes. Yes. Okay, yes. but why Swamp Thing? Because he'd had the movie and then another movie and then a live action TV show. And, and it was a chance to, to work in uh, like issues that were you know, yeah. prevalent at the time about saving the environment. It was probably a reaction to Captain Planet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe that. The theme song about three-fifths yeah. of the time yeah. <laughs> is Wild Thing, but with lyrics about Swamp Thing. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Okay, I have to watch this oh, now. Oh, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> How dare you guys do this to me? One of my favorite moments... Was when they're and it's really hard to pick a favorite. Yeah. Oh no, there's a lot. But I remember this. Uh, it's just because I was like, "What am I watching?" The uh, when Swamp Thing is fighting a jungle cat, and he can't get the jungle cat to go away. He's like, "Oh, I've got it." 
and then he turns his hand into a chair-like form because that's what jungle cats are afraid of. And the jungle cat is like, ah, bottom of a chair, I'm out. <laughs> And runs away. Like this is the Ringling Brothers Circus or something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's so good. This is strange. Also, they make the decision to make Abby Arcane uh-huh. a child. <laughs> no. Yeah. Which has some really unfortunate mm-hmm. uh, uh, contextual implications. Mm-hmm. Actually, any child, because Pico was pretty. Okay. But there was never like unrequited romance that's with true. Pico. This that's is true. Unfortunate yes. sounding. It, that's really only a problem so much in the first episode when she's talking about how yeah yeah he let me keep his journals. Let me tell you his whole life story. I'm so obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and then once per episode, all of Anton Arcane's henchmen turn into their animal forms. Yes. Yes. Top half bat. Top half snake, top half centipede. Yes. <laughs> okay. Which I, I believe in the first. Oh, Doctor Demo. We didn't even talk about what a what a great character he is because he only speaks in rhyme. <gasps> I just love characters that only speak in rhyme. Yeah, it's it's hard to top. Yeah. Oh, hard God. to top. Definitely worth watching. Yeah. Where does one find this? Oh, though? on the YouTube. Okay. It's completely free. Yeah, it's. Never been released on DVD or anything like that. I went through, I fell down a rabbit hole earlier this year before I started the whole house hunting thing. I was like, I'm going to read all of Swamp Thing this year. And I've read a couple of Swamp Thing series so far. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I was looking like, maybe I should get the TV show if it, or the movie if it's on Blue. And I realized, oh, there were two movies. Oh, there was a TV show. Oh, there was a cartoon. <laughs> and the first thing that came up that referenced the cartoon was the first episode on YouTube. So I'm like... Okay, we'll see how this is. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this was Alex's fault again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which when is your it? fault, Alex. I watched the Swamp Thing episodes, and then uh, Alex sent me down a side rabbit hole that he didn't right, even know about. This was not my fault. This, no, this was, was this YouTube's was, algorithm. Yeah. Uh, At least it wasn't racist unboxing <laughs> videos done by scantily clad women in pudding. True. Uh, I instead ended up on... Pardon? Do you remember the Toxic Avenger? Yeah. Do you remember the cartoon? The Toxic... Yeah. So I'm watching it because that's where you go after you watch Swamp Thing. Apparently. And I, I watched the first episode and I'm like, wait a minute. That was actually kind of good. Like, especially yeah. in comparison to Swamp Thing. I'm like, that wasn't bad. They were like, <laughs> this was even better than I remember because I got some really of the jokes. lower the bar Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, it wasn't bad though. No, it was actually pretty good. I guess uh, for a a trauma cartoon, it was interesting. But I like your reverent things, though, so the bar's not real high for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, shall we put this one out of its misery? Yeah, I think this has been fun, actually. Yeah, especially if uh, you have listened to or about to listen to the next Minds at Your. (laughs) We recorded that last night. It was an it was an adventure. Yes. I look forward to hearing the final cut of that. I, I, Sorry, Meg. Waiting oh, no. to see how nicely he was going to put that. It was. He it was a whole for a good long moment there. It was a whole lot of fun to record. It was. Yeah. Don't know. Once audio started working for us <laughs> again, we had you know time remnant Jen for a while, and it was fun. We have two people in the canon of things that go wrong with recording now. We have yeah. Ghost Tim yeah. and Time Remnant. Oh my god! I can't 
time remnant gen. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Here we go. It's bobsled time. God. I got that wrong and Adam is going to yell at me so hard. Good. You deserve it. Because you slip these things in any chance you get. You deserve I it. I do. <laughs> it's not. I can't help that Jamaica has a bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I look like? John Candy? <laughs> Please don't answer that. <laughs> Tweet at Alex. <laughs> no. I like Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is a good movie. It was a good movie. You can at me. <laughs> we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We're available on your podcatching platform of choice. And if not, let us know. We'll try to add ourselves there. Otherwise, you can listen to us on panelologypodcast.com. If you would like to support us, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Somebody did that recently after Dragon Con, and I do not have their name in front of me, but you know who you are. Thank you. If you have already done that, or want to do more after doing that, share us with friends. And if you would like to support us in a monetary way, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. If you support us at the five dollar level you get a cool shot glass i get a cool shot glass yeah yep how did i not know this was a thing i don't know how long has it been since you last listened i sometimes don't listen to the show notes oh yeah that's fair (laughs) that's fair you hear though we'd like to thank chase parker you're like done (laughs) (laughs) on to the next thing it's five minutes of alex talking i get enough of that day to day (laughs) i'm not gonna say that that's accurate (laughs) i like when alex talks at me (laughs) Uh, uh, you can also listen to Tim and me on Minds at Yerk, which, uh, is our Animorphs reread Dada performance podcast. Some of us aren't rereading. True. Tim is not rereading. Tim (laughs) is reading for the first time. For the very first time. The very first time. That's another reference. But not to Hamilton. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's to music that... Tim, like, by virtue of being of a white dude of his age, should recognize. I, I well, I kind of like the idea of Amber just like pointing it out every time. <laughs> I think I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, you it, it, it would ha- it would help guide me through <laughs> through these things. I can't pick out the Hamilton ones though. We already know, so it's not going to help much. Yeah. That's like eighty yeah. percent of what Alex says. <laughs> it's just, true. It's just going to be Amber going. Oh, wait, may- mm-hmm. maybe that one maybe, might be a reference. Maybe. It's true is a line in Hamilton. <laughs> it's just like words. They say the in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a moment in Hamilton where they're talking about uh, Thomas Jefferson's feral house cat, which Martha Jefferson named after Alexander Hamilton. And Burr explains all of this and Hamilton jumps in. It's true. <laughs> it is a specific moment. Bite me. <laughs> Minds at Yerk. Minds at Yerk.com. Minds at Yerk at gmail.com. Minds at Yerk on... Apple Podcasts or wherever. Y-E-E-R-K is how you spell Yerk. More of Tim and me and Jin there. Uh, if you like us at our most bizarre, you will probably love this week's episode. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. If you want to learn about moths using their genitalia to hide from bat sonar. And I know you do. I know you do. It's too late for me. <laughs> Alex has already explained this oh. one. Oh yeah. Okay. You explained it to both me and Josh one time when you saw us. I was worried that you got that from another source. No, I get these. 
things that happen from Alex. If Zoop books were printed on the Necronomicon, <laughs> that would be me. Accurate. I do read from that book. Yep. I'm Alex. I'm Amber. And I'm Tim. And until then, we fight. Mm-hmm.